It seems like it's been repeatedly said, both on this show and elsewhere, but after the last few weeks and months of Canadian athletic performances on the world stage, it really does bear repeating. This is an exciting time to be a Canadian athletics fan. Now, whether it be at any of the Diamond League meets, FISU, Pan Ams, or our impressive haul at Worlds last month, it's been a really exciting summer with some solid results to back it up. On this week's show, we chat with one of the contributors to that great medal count in Beijing, Ben Thorne, the BC racewalker who surprised us all, including himself, with a bronze medal and the 20km Canadian racewalk record in Beijing. He talks about the best heckle he's ever heard, politics in his event, and his time in Beijing. As well, we also wrap up the summer season and look ahead to the fall with our in-house run pundit, Jeff Costin. Don't go anywhere, you're listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Twitter. Now, it's been said many times, but I think that the World Championships left no doubt. Athletics in Canada is on the rise. Ranging from the jumps to the multi-events and everything in between, the championships proved to be exciting for Canadian athletics fans everywhere. Now, one person who made it so is Ben Thorne. He's Canada's new 20km race walk record holder and world championship bronze medalist. Ben also won silver in the same event earlier at this summer's FISU Games. Welcome to the show, Ben. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> you know, from what I've read, you didn't really see yourself meddling in Beijing. What were your goals going in? And as the race unfolded, when did you really start to believe that a podium spot was within reach? Yeah, going in, I knew I was in good shape, but I really didn't think I'd have much of a shot at a podium. I was hoping for a top eight finish, um, but just the way the race unfolded and I was feeling good, and I think a lot of the competitors had lousy days. So 14K, the pack blew up, and I found myself in fifth, and a couple people in front of me started having some issues, and all of a sudden I was in third. So <laughs> it just happens... Uh, that quickly, I guess. For sure, I I know that uh, that one person in front of you was was actually caught, um, I guess, lifting. I, I do want to touch on that briefly. You know, often in distance running, you can watch someone's form just completely fall apart near the end of uh, you know of a taxing race. Given that race walking is an event that is determined not just by speed but by technique, what strategies do you employ to make sure that you can finish your race while maintaining a form that's you know kind of within the rules? Well, I used to struggle with my technique uh, when I was a junior, especially. I didn't really have a good sense of when I was legal or when I was illegal. Um, now I think that's improved partly because I've developed... Well, there's one strategy in particular that I like to use if I start going fast towards the end of a race and know my technique might be a little bit iffy. Um, I like to scuff my, the bottom of my shoes on the ground because it sort of gives me... Um, a sense of how high my feet are when they're coming through. One of the easiest ways to lift is to drive your knee up really high and your feet come way off the ground. <laughs> so if I'm scuffing my feet on the ground as I pass my legs through, then I know that they're at least coming through fairly low. I saw a picture on your Twitter a little while ago, um, you know, of you completely destroying the bottom of, uh, you know, a pair of New Balances that you had or whatever. Uh, is is that kind of what's behind that then? Partly. Uh, I don't rely on this as much as I used to. Um, it used to be I do this all the time just in order to get a feel for bringing my feet through low. I don't use it 
super often anymore unless um, a judge waves a yellow paddle at me and I get a little bit scared. Uh, it's mostly, I think, because I have a really strong toe that I destroy my shoes. I, I go through them about every three weeks now. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, a lot of our listeners are, you know, distance runners, so perhaps they, they aren't super acquainted, but at the peak of your training, just before Worlds, you know, what did a week of training look like for you? Um, I think it's, I would say it's similar in volume to maybe a 10K runner. Um, at my peak, I was probably doing 160-kilometer weeks, and there's lots of walkers who do more, but in our group, we try to focus on quality workouts as opposed to uh, lots of volume. So if you like, I can run you through the average week. Um, we'll usually do a double on Mondays, two easy walks, 15K or 10K. And on Tuesday, we'll do some kind of sustained speed like a fartlek or a tempo. And then Wednesday, another longish easy walk could be 20 or 25k then thursday you do um, repeats usually five by 2k would be pretty representative of what we do and then friday more easy walks and saturday um a long over distance walk 30 to 40k although i don't actually get through 40k <laughs> uh, and sunday off so we always take an off day every week. You know, as was mentioned earlier, you actually also raced in this year's FISU Games, uh, taking home a silver medal. Now, going into that race, what were your goals for it, you know, given the fact that you'd be racing the Worlds in the next month? At the time, I was uh, a little bit disappointed not to be going to, um, to the Pan Am Games, but I decided to make the most of FISU. And I think I went in shooting, shooting for a medal, definitely, because the start list wasn't wasn't super strong. There were some good walkers, but no, there's a lot of people like me, no one with really consistent results. Um, so it was a good opportunity to get in a good walk. And also I was looking to get my Olympics done for next year, which I managed to do there because the conditions were cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, race walking is an interesting event event in that there doesn't seem to be a ton of opportunity to take part in it in Canada. How did you get involved in race walk and what was it that eventually hooked you in and kept you interested? Well, I guess I got started because um, British Columbia is part of the high school track and field um, championships. So it's unusual in Canada for that to be the case. Only in BC and Quebec, I think, do they have race walking in the high school system. So I used to be a distance runner. I ran 3K and 1500. I was kind of mid-range provincially. Like I was a 920 guy for 3K, and uh, uh, I was pretty bad at 1500. I was like 4:30. But um, so yeah, I was maybe had an off-chance hope of coming top 10 at provincials for 3K, but no hope of getting on a podium or ever making a national team. So I just saw this event. Um, yeah, I could totally win that. And so I tried it and eventually I did. And I won at provincials and found that I could make some national teams and just kept going with it. 
I think if more sort of mid-range runners like I was tried it, I think there'd be a lot more competitive walkers in Canada. And also if um, <laughs> more provinces had it for their high school system as well. Now, uh, given the recent success of uh, various Canadians in race walking, do you think that will translate into you know more kids giving the sport a try? I hope so. Uh, we've got a pretty talented group of juniors in our group coming up right now, so I'm hoping uh, they'll continue to develop well. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see some more more kids coming up. It's always good to see that. Your training group, Racewalk West, has uh, really been having a great summer with your training partners, Evan Dunphy uh, and, and Aki Gomez, taking home gold and silver at the Pan Ams. Talk mm-hmm. to me about, uh, you know, how training with that group has affected your own racing. Uh, it's amazing, really, to have such a good group. Um, this year, particularly in the few weeks before Worlds, me and Anaki were training together a lot, and that was really valuable, I think, because sometimes I have uh, difficulty keeping my motivation up. And Anaki is really self-disciplined, and training with him was definitely a big boost. Uh, also, we all uh, trained together in Switzerland, Samaritz, for a few weeks early in the season, and that was a great camp. It was a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll be able to do it for many seasons to come. Given that the uh, the person that you took the 20-kilometer racewalk Canadian record from was Evan, do you think that we can expect to to see that record fall a few more times in the next few years? Yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, to be honest, we all trade off um, in training sessions. I feel like we're all really equal in the um, in the ability category. And seeing as how Evan originally took it from Anaki and I took it from Evan, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the other two t- takes it from me um, again. I mean, I'm almost 100% shit certain one of us is going to lower my record again next year, whether that's me or whether that's one of the other guys, I'm not sure. But um, going into the Olympics, I mean, we'll all be taking training really seriously, so... I'm pretty sure it'll get lowered next year. <laughs> I I read a story about how you came fairly close to uh, a grizzly bear on one of your training walks. Now, I'm assuming this was while you were up in northern uh, BC, where you grew up. Now, what's the, what's the strangest thing that you've seen, you know, training in your current home of Vancouver? <laughs> I was thinking about an answer to this question and um, having some some trouble. I mean, in terms of wildlife in Vancouver, the biggest thing you pretty much see is raccoons. Um, and given that we're race walkers, we're usually the strangest thing on the road. So, um, yeah, I'll have to get back to you on that one. For sure. For sure. Well, kind of on that topic, I mean, as a runner, I constantly get the, uh, run forest run and, you know, those sorts of hecklers and stuff. Oh, what kind of heckles do you get as a race walker? Um, let me think. I think the most creative one I've heard is, uh, would you like fries with that shake? <laughs> or because we shake our hips back and forth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I can't think of any others right now. Don't really want to think of any others right now, but they can be quite, quite creative. <laughs> 
You know, given that you were already in Beijing, uh, what events were must-sees for you to watch, you know, outside of your own win? What event made you the most proud to watch? In terms of Canadian performance, Mm -hmm. I think definitely Melissa Bishop's silver medal. Because, like mine, I think it was a big surprise, and the surprise medals are always the sweetest. Um, But all of the performances were good to watch. I mean, it was just great that almost pretty much all of our medal potentials won medals. Just create performance at the biggest level. Now, if I understand correctly, you're currently without a shoe sponsor. Now with a world championship bronze to your name, do you think that's going to change? Um, yeah, I'm expecting it to change. I'm currently talking to a couple of companies, or mainly one, but if that falls through, then I'm pretty sure I have a good backup. I don't want to spoil anything, um, but the clues are there from the photos from World Champs. Here to look. <laughs> All right, for sure, for sure. We don't uh, we don't want to wreck anything. Now, uh, between now and Rio, uh, this year's probably looking pretty uh, pretty busy for you with uh, a World Cup race next year as well. I mean, what is the next year looking like for you? Yeah, so we all have flight flights booked to Australia for uh, January and February. There's a training camp going on down there. And I'm sure there'll be a race or two um, as well. And yeah, besides that, there's a World Cup and Rio. World Cup's a little bit iffy because um, as Evan Dunphy might have, might have been telling you, it's, uh, it's in Russia. And with the issues with doping in Russia, we sort of have a decision to make whether we actually want to go to a race in Russia. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll be seeing more about that later. Just real quick on that, uh, I did see some headlines and stuff that uh, some of the top race walkers in the world have pulled themselves out of that race. Uh, you know, is, is, that, uh, is that something that you guys are seriously thinking about? We're thinking about it. I mean, um, it wouldn't be such a big deal to us because we have so much competitive experience, the three of us and um, Rachel Seaman. We've all been to a lot of World Cups and missing one wouldn't be a big deal. But if we didn't go, then I don't think Athletics Canada would be super inclined to send a junior team. And those guys and uh, the less experienced senior walkers like a World Cup is a really valuable experience, so I think we all need to sort of sit down and come to a decision on whether or not we want to support that event. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, we all wish you a, a ton of congratulations on, on your uh, on your great win. He is Ben Thorne. He is Canada's new 20-kilometer racewalk record holder and world championship bronze medalist. Thanks for joining us uh, on the show today, Ben. Uh, thank you very much. You're tuned into the Terminal Mile at the Terminal Mile on Twitter. With the wrapping up of the World Championships in Beijing last week, it pretty much marked the unofficial end to the summer track season. And what a season it was for Canadian athletes, with solid results at Pan Am's, FISU, and the World Championships. Now, of course, with the closing of the summer season also brings a new season full of fall marathons as well as cross country. To help keep you up to date, we're joined by a reoccurring run pundit, Jeff Cosson. Welcome back, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me. First things first, uh, with the huge success of the entire summer season, 
whether they be at uh, Pan Am's World's Diamond League meets, wherever. What were the standout moments for you? Canada did very well at the Worlds this year. So my favorite moments are, there were a lot of medals, so my favorite moments are going to be fairly subjective. But I um, earlier in the season, I was really impressed with Cam Levins when he broke the Canadian record at Prefontaine. Hmm. That's uh, like being a 10K runner myself. That's always something I have a close eye on. And I remember one of the first professional track races I watched on like, or streamed was uh, Peyton Jordan many years back when Simon Byrou broke that record. So, and after guys taking very good runners taking runs at it for years, it was it came down. It wasn't even close when he ran 27:07. So I, his season didn't really work out the way I'm sure he wanted it to after that, but. Nobody will be able to take that from him. The second would be Melissa Bishop's World Championships performance, or really her whole season altogether, because she was just hurt in May, and people didn't know if she was going to qualify for the international meets at all. And she came back to win Pan Am Games 800, which was, I think, one of the strongest fields at that meet, the women's 800, and then came back and set a Canadian record in the semis at Worlds, and then got the silver and since all good things come in threes i would say andre de grasse winning both ncaa's and then the two bronzes at the world championships individually and in the relay it's one of those things that kind of made its way out of my running centric bubble like i hear non-athletic regular people asking me about it so he gets points for feeding my water cooler conversation getting regular people excited about canadian track Oh, of course. Uh, you know, I think every runner's kind of been in that uh, sort of position. You know, you roll into work, and uh, all the non-runners are like, "Hey, just <laughs> just see the sprinter." They they act pretty. You know, they act like they're on the ball, and you just gotta kind of play along. I think. Uh, yeah, know, but it, it's awesome with like all the negative stories around drugs and stuff and track. You've got this young guy, and he's humble, and everybody seems to have good things to say about him. It's a good story for people to focus on. Oh, for sure, 100%. Uh, touching back on that whole Melissa Bishop thing, you know, like you said, I don't think a lot of people were calling her to do what she did at the World Championships. Do you think that there are more talents like her out there who are just maybe a race from, you know, international recognition like that? Yeah, I think so. It shows that we don't, we have numbers and we have backgrounds that tell us a lot, but we don't ever know who's going to excel at the international level. So, there are a lot of good runners who may have international standards that aren't given the chances to race. So not everybody's obviously going to be a world contender, but I think there are a lot of people who can benefit tremendously from racing internationally that really need those opportunities. So to say, yeah, to answer your question, yes, I think there are more that if given exposure can show something impressive like that. And that's exactly why athletics Canada needs to, really focus on helping as many Canadians as possible in that opportunity. You know, looking at the, uh, the middle distances on up, you know, after the summer, what event do you believe has the most amount of depth right now in Canada? I think on the women's side, the middle distance running is really strong. Last time we talked, we went on about the 1500 meters, especially with Sheila Reed healthy. Now, I think that'll be a really deep event to watch next year. And the 800 looks great as well obviously with melissa bishop as we talked about and fiona benson who's still in school just ran under two minutes i think they'll make a really strong tandem 
the men's steeplechase may be the deepest event right now with on the men's side with Hughes, Matt Hughes holding the Canadian record that he just got last year. Alex, uh, was it last year or two years ago? Sorry, um, I could... tw- 2013, I believe. Okay. But anyways, yeah, and he won Pan Ams this year. Janae came second, and he's competitive on any international field. And then there's Taylor Milne and Chris Winter, and it's very deep a number of guys who can compete internationally. Okay, so you mentioned earlier, Athletics Canada took a lot of heat for their selection criteria going into Worlds, uh, being called too harsh, and in some cases being harmful to the development of young athletes. Now, there were some changes in there. Taking a look at that final roster and the results achieved, do you think that they made the right call with their team, uh, you know, come final selection? I think it's good that they applied, they interpreted the policy in a way to allow um, Charles, Phil, Thibodeau to make the team eventually. And I, I think all fans of Canadian athletics were happy with that. I think in addition to the standards being challenging, a lot of people were frustrated with the relatively short time window to hit those standards as well. So Canada had a very strong medal count, so I think criticism is going to be limited, And but we don't always want to assume because there was a good result that everything was perfect about the process. Uh, Peter Erickson, the Athletics Canada head coach, he's done a lot of media and he's really trumpeted having a more cutthroat approach to team selection and resource allocation for the athletes. But like I was saying earlier, foundations of success are really long-term and it takes that perspective, I think, to maximize the potential of lots of athletes. So that may include allowing international racing experience for athletes who may not at this point be medal contenders on paper, but not because they're complacent, but because the experience is going to be something that they need to get to that next level. And I think, yeah, the one criticism you could make with the current approach is that it doesn't think long-term enough. Although you can't argue with the result in the last couple of weeks. Oh, for sure, for sure. Okay, so, you know, it doesn't feel like it right now because it's so, like, humid out. But there's an interesting interesting situation shaping up with the Canadian Olympic marathon team that looks like it's probably going to play out over this fall. You know, we've got Coolset, who's the only one with a marathon standard right now running in Berlin. We have Gillis in Toronto, Watson in Chicago, Wikes, who's putting down some pretty good workouts in, in Flagstaff, according to his Strava account, but no public intentions for where he's running yet. You know, you can't count out people like Sammy Jabril, Uh, You know, you've got Kip, you've got a bunch of other notable names who will probably be vying for that standard as well. There are three spots, but will they be full come December, and who will be the ones to watch? I'm optimistic that they'll have a full team again. I I didn't actually know Wikes was on Strava, so that'll be something I have to look into soon. But they, um, I think... Gillis has been very consistent over the last few years, and he's run under the existing standard, just not within this window. So I would expect that he'll hit it, not that it'll be easy, but he's definitely capable of it. I definitely wouldn't count Dylan Wikes out. He's had his fair share of injuries in the past couple of years, but has been very resilient in the past and 
when he had to qualify for 2011, he missed the standard in the, I guess, 20, sorry, when he had to qualify for 2012, in the 2011 fall, he narrowly missed the standard. And then in the coming months, he had to take, he had to toe the line at two other marathons to get it. So I think if he can get a few months of solid training, I definitely think he's someone that I would think will take a great run at it. And one uh, dark horse you haven't mentioned is uh, is Kelly Wee, but I don't know how fit he is or if he's – or even know that he's planning on running a fall marathon. He may not be, but he's – I know that was in the plans the previous year, and he was he's the reigning Canadian champion over 10,000 meters. So I think there are a lot of names that could come into that mix and cautiously optimistic, but hopefully three of them will hit standard – or two others will hit standard in addition to Reed already having it. For sure. Now, on the women's side of things, we have uh, Krista Shane, who you know already has a standard, and from her blog, it looks like uh, Lanny Marchand will be running the ten thousand at Rio. So we can we can kind of count her out at this point. You know, who else is there to to cheer for? Rachel Hannah, I think, would be the next name people look to. She ran a gutsy race at Pan Am's, came fourth. The time was well off what standard would be, but nobody was going to run fast on that course in that heat. Um, so she's definitely somebody to look for. And there are a lot of others who it may be lofty for, but I think female distance runners should know that there's a bit of an opportunity there, and hopefully someone will step up in the coming months. Now, of course, with fall comes another cross-country season, uh, with a lot of focus being on the CIS. Now, last year and the year before that and, you know, so on and so forth, Guelph took both team titles. Uh, but there have been some real shakeups with, uh, you know, breakup se- breakout seasons since then, uh, some transfers, some graduations. Uh, what do you think? Will this year be much the same, or do you see some teams moving up in the, in the, uh, in the overall rankings? I may missed, have missed some of the summer transitioning and can be tough to keep up with, but I definitely don't think Guelph is going anywhere on either the men's or women's side, even though they're losing some very key contributors. But they have so much depth that separates them from everybody else, and this year they're going to have home course advantage. On the women's side, it will be, I think, U of T, Trinity, Western, Queens are all returning with solid teams. I don't know how much of a shakeup you'll see. Similar on the men's side, Laval loses their front stick, but they're going to be incredibly deep, and I think they'll be formidable. McMaster seems to get better every year and is retaining, from what I understand, pretty much their whole team with everyone being a little bit stronger. So I think you'll see a lot of the schools that were strong this this past year returning strong, but there's a reason they have to compete on the day of the big meet. Now, I think that everyone likes to think that their school has, you know, gone under everyone's radar and will end up stealing some of the limelight at the CIS Nationals, uh, you know, kind of like Victoria did last year uh, with their second place finish. Do you see, you know, any teams kind of on the verge of that right now? Just real dark horses, maybe ones that you didn't mention? Well, Vic could be the next Vic based on... (laughs) I don't think they've necessarily gotten a lot of attention this year as well, but then they very well could be a medalist again. I think 
on the men's side as well, uh, Lakehead will probably improve substantially. The majority of their teams coming back and with some key losses to other teams, there's room to move up in the rankings. Um, yeah, those are the ones that I see. You know, as far as individual goes, uh, you know, who do you pick to uh, excel at this year at uh, during the cross-country season? Like I, like I said, I've kind of heard some conflicting information on who is and isn't coming back. But since Tristan Woodfine was the runner-up last year and his teammate Ross Proudfoot should be gone, I would think Woodfine's probably the guy to beat. I, th- I think he'll have to race against Aaron Hendricks, who would also, he's a former CIS champion. He'd definitely be in that conversation as well. On the women's side, we won't see losses to the same extent, so... We'll see it really, a really competitive race. I think Carice Thompson's the defending champ is out, but there'll be, I believe, Inglis and Staley and Stafford are all returning. I, I don't know if Gaulish plans to run cross, but she'd be a huge factor if she does. Claire Summer from Queens was sixth last year as a rookie, and I think with her trajectory, we'll be looking to improve on that. So if you're a middling distance runner, it's probably not going to be your year to move on to that first team all canadian on the women's side now finally we should mention that the canadian cross-country championships are back in ontario this year uh up in your old stomping grounds of kingston ontario uh you know it's a great course have you heard so far are there any notable names running i don't know the names for sure i think it's a bit early for that but obviously with a significant portion of Canada's runners coming out of Ontario traveled to Vancouver the last few years was for some people pretty challenging so I think you'll see a number of the faces that have been missing from the past nationals and I know this is going to be a really strong event if if, for people who haven't been to Fort Henry it's a fantastic spectator course and it's great for racing as well because it's a real cross-country course it's hilly but it's not over it's pretty firm so if it's snowy or whatever you're slipping around will be limited and Steve Boyd and Clive Morgan worked really hard to get the event and I know they're making sure everything was properly executed as was the case at OUAs this past year and yeah I'm sure they could tell you a lot more about what an awesome racing weekend it's going to be but everyone I've spoken to is really excited and I think there's going to be a great turnout oh for sure and uh you know if anyone hasn't been there I have to say, I went there for uh, for OUAs last year. You know, fast times, and uh, like Jeff said, perfect for spectating. Uh, he is Jeff Costin. He's our recurring run pundit. Uh, thanks a lot for taking the time to be on the show this week. Thanks again for having me. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to our guests, Ben Thorne and Jeff Costin, for taking the time to be on the show, and to Tracky for their ongoing support. Big congratulations go to all who competed this summer, whether it be on the world stage or the local 5K. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at the Terminal Mile or find us via tracky.ca, Stitcher, iTunes, or TuneIn. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production.